1: couple of issues we're going to look at tonight. After 10.30, I have the um, author of the book, the Fix Yourself Handbook. We're going to talk about finding internal balance, even in these difficult times. Uh, But before we do that, after 10.15, I want to talk about our need for space right about now. And I want to know how you are handling your need for space how are you managing it in your household especially if you live in a smaller confined uh place because this is creating uh difficulty in many relationships and and many families um, people's need for space but first let's take a look at the inbox
0: make a connection anytime at 514 800
1: also, you can email me anytime to Lori at laurie at drlaurie.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E at D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E dot com. So remember I talked to you, uh, I guess it was last night or maybe the night before, of a woman who met a guy on a dating site and then started to become a little suspicious, got a phone number, anyway, managed to find out where the guy lived, showed up at the house to only find that his wife answered the door. Uh, So we talked a little bit about that. So she sent me an update, and I wanted to share that with you. Uh, She called me today and said her husband denied everything and that I am a, quote, crazy lady. I would have thought our conversation yesterday would have been convincing enough, but I guess not. He admitted to knowing me and told her I was bothering him and met me through work. I gave her my alias on the dating site and my password, and while we were on the phone, she logged in and I let her see our conversations from months ago. While she was reading, I described his private parts, small penis, not circumcised, and how one testicle was much lower than the other, and a birthmark on his inner thigh close to his crotch." He is also lactose intolerant. She admitted she was hoping I was a crazy lady, but did not get that impression when we spoke yesterday, and it seemed he had an answer for everything. A very convincing liar. We spoke for about a good hour, but no crying this time. She suspects now he has cheated um, before. I asked her what she was going to do. She is at a loss somewhat. She does not want to fight with him, but cannot stay married to a man she cannot trust. They've been married for six years. During these times, she is not sure how to handle it. She does not want to leave and knows he would have nowhere to go. I told her about your show, and she knows of it, and I told her I wrote in to say what happened, but no names given. I told her I would send an update and ask if you or any listeners have any suggestions on how to handle this during these times. She's not going to say anything to him today, but plans on listening in tonight, so I hope you mention this update. So I don't know if anybody else wants to weigh in and and help this, uh, this person out, It's a tough call, right? Like right now to kick someone out or to separate or whatever. But then I'm thinking, okay, but that means you have to live with that person for how long, right? What are we talking about here? Because we don't know how long this is going to last. And do you really want, if you plan to leave him at some point, then, you know, now might be a fine time uh, to do that, if you wanted to get help as a couple, uh, I, I don't know if he's a serial cheater. I don't know if couple therapy will necessarily change all of that, but it it, it is something an option that is available to you. And people are doing virtual sessions as as I am, um, even with with couples at this time. Um, then you you know you you say something like, uh, you she knows he would have nowhere to go. That's not your that's not your problem. <laughs> like he I'm sure he's quite resourceful. If he's that sneaky to begin with, I'm sure he can be resourceful and have friends where he can move into or find himself an apartment. There are still apartments for rent. People are still moving. I've heard of a few people already who uh, are moving into new places, so this is happening. Uh, so that's a possibility as well. So I don't know if anybody else wants to add to that. And yesterday I had said, uh, you know, in these days, like it, it was just a reminder that when you're dating, you really don't know the person. Like we have so much available to us that we should, we could be our own investigators in a way. And I was kind of laughing, saying, kind of felt like stockish to be to be doing that. But we have that at our disposal, and I would want to know, I guess, the most whatever I could right about. A person that I really, that is really a stranger to me. And somebody wrote in, You are not stockish. People are permitted to search public data banks reasonably. They are not to abuse the information. When a person hides identity and personal information, it is prudent and legally permissible to find correct info for self protection, specifically when one hides identity, not stalking and clearly in this case the person hid their identity their identity as a uh, a married person you went in there with full faith that you were meeting a single person because you were on a dating site so it was like it's a given right it's a you figure it's a given Uh, so yes doing um doing your own little search uh, that was smart on your part. I really, uh, I have to say that was smart. You had a tiny little doubt in your head and you went for it. And, you know, and when I speak to like, um, uh, George Pinto is a private investigator. He's a regular guest on the show. And I've, I've asked him the question, like, how often do you find something when people hire you? And he says, it's like almost always when somebody has that that doubt in their heads and they go to the the extent of hiring a PI, it's because they pretty much know. And most of the time, he will find something. So there you have it. you got to listen to your gut sometimes, right? All right, one more question. Uh, When do I need a mammogram basically is what this one's about Um, so I don't have an OBGYN I get pap smears through my regular doctor and I've never really needed one but I'm getting to the age where women are supposed to get mammograms I always heard my mom joke about getting her boobs squished but never really understood how they work my breasts are pretty small I'm not even sure how they do it do they still do mammograms for women with A cups Are um, are they really that necessary for those of us who are not so well endowed. Well, your breast size has actually nothing to do whether you need a mammogram or not. Even women with very small breasts could develop breast cancer mammograms are done on men too because men can also get breast cancer because it's not a routine thing but some men need it um, in terms of the age at when you should start getting them it's somewhere between 45 to 54 that you start to need them pretty regularly quebec has like a program that you sign up for after 50 and they send you reminder letters every two years you have to go unless you there's family history if there's any family history of breast cancer then you you've Gotta go. Clearly, it's not a pleasant experience having your boobs squished, um, but it only lasts seconds. It's it, it really, it's not that bad. It's bad, but it's not that bad, you know. And it's certainly doable because it doesn't. It, it literally, it's only uh, a few seconds of discomfort or a little bit of pain, and you're good to go. Coming up, how do you negotiate the space in your relationship? What are you doing right? Now to take some space for yourself. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Coming up after 10.30, we're going to talk to Faust Ruggiero. He's a psychotherapist and the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook. Uh, we're going to talk about how to find that internal balance, even in these difficult times. Uh, yes, it is possible. But right now, I want to talk about um, space. In general, we all need Space, right? We all have to negotiate in every relationship. You negotiate your need for space. There's nothing to do with your partner or not wanting to be with your partner, but it's more about um, yourself. Maybe you're a bit of an introvert and you need alone time to just uh, rest, or maybe you um, have ADHD and you need to unplug for a bit and just like zone out, and that's your need for for space. Maybe you just simply like to spend time by yourself every once in a while. That doesn't mean that you don't love your partner. It just means you need the time to take care of yourself and recharge. So I want to know how you're doing this now. I know that for, I've spoken to a few people who are, stuck in uh well stuck they they they're both working from home they live in a condo or a small small place and they're on top of each other really it's like they're t- it's 24/7 they have to negotiate the working the the space like how do you take your space when you are living in confined spaces i want to know how you are dealing with it. So I'm fortunate. I have a home, a house that I have, mul- you know, multiple uh, floors to a house. So I can take my space. I can absolutely take my space and it's not a problem. And it's well negotiated in my, uh, in my relationship. We, we talk about it. It's fine. You know, my husband wants to go down, play his music at certain times. I want to do my art, whatever it is. That's my time, his time. And nobody takes it personally, but we each understand that, we need it but sometimes you get to a point where you really do need time away from your partner and here are some clues that w- should indicate to you okay you know what i i should take alone time if you're living if if you can't leave the home if you can't leave the apartment you could find other ways like Ta- you know, taking a locking yourself in the bathroom and having a bath, for example, or putting noise counseling headphones on and sitting in a corner, read a book like, but of course, this is something that you don't do out of anger. You do it as an as an as a self care thing, not like, you know, you're pissing me off, I'm gonna ignore you. And I'm like, leave me alone. Like, that's not how we negotiate space then it becomes a get away from me I'm mad at you and I'm taking time away from you that that's not what we want to accomplish here right we want to be able to do this in a nice way in a kind way and part of it is too we we all cope very differently right where we all have different coping strategies in these specific times this is showing itself far far more because, well, because, you know, because this is the situation, um, that we're in, but sometimes like it's also getting, um, amplified, right? So you may have known that, yes, your partner gets anxious a little bit here and there, and you've seen that and everything, but now it's like, whoa right? For you, it becomes like you, you, you feel like your partner's taking this too far and they're freaking out and you might be thinking and, and wanting to say to them things like, stop being so neurotic, stop being so crazy. That may be in your, this is what you want to say. Do not say those things. This is not helpful, okay? Uh, this is a good time to learn uh, compassion, compassion and empathy for your partner's coping strategy that is maybe very, very different from your own. Maybe in your own temperament, you're the kind of laissez-faire and and uh, very positive thinking and, oh, no worries. Oh, we'll manage. Oh, it's okay. And kudos to you. Like, that's great because it brings calm to your life, but that doesn't mean everybody around you is going to respond in that way so you got to make sure that you're not firing back and then you go back and forth because then you know your one person calls the other person neurotic then you, the other person says you don't you, you don't know how serious this is you're in denial and then there's accusations and then it escalates and then it's like ah, i gotta get out of here that's not what we're talking about here right um you can love someone and need space From them. You're allowed to take space when you need it. But what I'm talking about is taking space in a loving and gentle way, not in an angry way. Uh, Texter writes, and ask him kindly to go take a short walk. Tell him you want to surprise him with something. (laughs) Once he leaves, lock the doors, put headphones on, or do whatever and ignore the door knocking, LOL. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to work, but we do need to talk about this, okay? I'm bringing this up because it's something that you may want to talk to your partner about. And we need to accept that we... Me, my partner, are going to need space possibly at different times. So making a plan... is a good idea for like you'll be at this part of the home. I'll be at this part of the home, uh, and then you know this time we can spend time together. But these times I need to be alone, etc., etc. And part of the the whole space thing is because we need to practice a lot of uh, self care, especially during this time of, of crisis. We need to take care of ourselves. You cannot for like we can't neglect this part. And part of taking care of ourselves is also taking care of ourselves physically. So eating well, sleeping well, exercising, um, all of these things are important because a healthy body also helps with a healthy mind and vice versa. So we need to, to be able to take care of this. So if we don't, what happens when you don't take the space? What happens? You get irritable and you get snappy and then you run right and that's n- that, that's not when you should be taking space so try and think about think about your need for it when you need it how you need it and now have the discussion with your partner and everybody needs their alone time everybody needs their space you should need your alone time too much togetherness is not good for the relationship either, by the way. So, too much togetherness can breed uh, contempt, actually. So, think about that. So, it's very important that we have our separate um, bubbles. Text writes in, I have alone time because I live at home, but right now it feels like solitary confinement in a tiny apartment while I feel like I'm losing something when I see couples around me. I'm I just am not ready to settle for one partner, and now I am paying the price. And guys are asking to come to my house, and I have to tell them that no, this is the middle of a pandemic. But it doesn't feel fair for people who live alone, cannot hug or be intimate physically. I hope it doesn't lead to psychiatric disorders. Unfortunately, it is it is scary, and, and um, yeah, there is a risk. There definitely is a risk that... Um, it affects our mental health because humans need socializing. They need touch, most of us anyway, uh, need that physical contact. I'm not talking about sex, right? I'm talking about the the hugs and the and the affection and and the connection with other people so it is going to lead people to develop maybe more anxiety feelings of depression and we're all on the alert like as therapists we are all on the alert with every client that i speak to and i'm doing virtual sessions with clients now and um which is very interesting, actually, because uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, people were just canceling, right? And we're saying, okay, well, we'll wait till this all clears up. But now they're realizing this this may not clear up so fast. And, and they're starting to feel the impact and the effect. So people are now starting to get back into the groove of therapy. And there's nothing wrong with that, reaching out for help. to, And even with couples, even to help you negotiate this kind of uh, taking um Taking space. Uh, so, just to get back to what we opened the show with um, we, the person who uh, is with a who discovered that her husband was cheating and now wants uh, to leave the guy. Um, but, you know, what can she do now? So, text writes and hmm, she should confront him, lay cards on the table. Uh, sleep in separate rooms, make him make alternate living arrangements ASAP. Okay, I, I like that, actually, I like that. It's like, okay, I'm, we're leaving, we're, we're getting ready to separate, this is what I want, start making arrangements. Um, it's over, no more lies, done deal, fini, and that's the truth. Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, another one writes, imagine what it's like, like Shay, Mr. Cheater, that you opened the show this evening, virtual daggers, a plenty. I'm not sure exactly what you mean, what I'm, I'm not getting here, but nonetheless. Uh, so a couple of things here. It, so uh, if you, these are some signs that you really do need to take space and, and you need to think about it. If you're always bickering together, um, And you need that like time away from each other. That's just being on top of each other far too much. If the bickering is like for stupid stuff, right? Not talking about like major arguments, but little things. Um, If you don't do anything without telling your partner first, then we're talking about some codependency here. Remember, I talk about separateness. Separateness is healthy. It's not about becoming one. Separateness is uh, necessary, Uh, Maybe spending time together isn't as fun as it used to be. And you just need to, um, because you're feeling drained or or what have you from the relationship or or spending that much time together, maybe now it's time to take a little bit of a breathing space, not leaving the house, but taking time to to be on your own. Um, And if, especially if you feel very um, stressed out and uh, you might just need that alone time and that's Okay. Coming up, we'll talk about uh, finding that internal balance, even in these difficult times, with the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Clearly a difficult time for many people and also a time of self-reflection and thinking about where can we go from here and how could we maybe find a better balance in our lives and a better internal balance even in these difficult times. Well, somebody wrote a book to help you do just that. Faust Ruggiero, I hope I pronounced your name right, (laughs) is a psychotherapist. Judith Faust, Faust, right, okay. Uh, He's the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook. Well, welcome to uh, the program and to our Montreal listeners. Welcome. Do you Get hear me? Board. Great. Uh, so, I can, yes. Okay, good. Uh, so tell me about your, uh, you developed this, um, I don't know if it's a technique or, or just a way of looking at all the different issues and how we could uh, uh, bring balance into, the, into our lives called the process way of life. Can you explain that to our listeners, what that is exactly?
0: I can you know, I've been doing this for almost four decades, and you're in private practice. You know, as we go through, we start to, you know, work with various techniques, and then some work and some don't. We filter some things out, and then we start working with the ones that do work. And what I saw was that, light, uh, the way I was dealing with my people, there are all these processes that they were just not real good at things like trust and setting boundaries, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, all different kinds of things like that. So, I, uh, as I started to develop this, I put them into a program, uh, and uh, we've got 36 of those, and uh, and I've used them in my practice now for two decades, and I'm seeing that people are they're able to to grab these things and then to incorpor- incorporate them into their lives. So uh, it's called the process way of life, and you're right. It, it's all designed to go to internal balance, and just and that that balance is uh, between the physical, intellectual, and emotional attributes right. uh, that a person works with every
1: day i have to say what i appreciate the most about your approach is it's very much how i like to work i like the straightforward approach i love action plans i like to address things methodically so and i think it's the with my own clients it also works I find the best when people come in and, and they want to, to, to str- you know, find a strategy and not just get stuck in the emotion, but also to be able to have this, uh, this action plan. So I think that's what's missing often is there's a lot of talk, but less of the, an actual planning things out.
0: Yeah, and I'm the same way. I'm very dynamic in my practice. Uh, and I, I like to go to practical solutions. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time uh, going over things over and over again. Right. I really believe that. You can set the problem out, give the people a, just a, a lot of information about it, but then you've got to go to the steps that they can take with them and then work those steps. And that's what I do at the end of each chapter. I give them exactly what they need to fix that particular problem we're dealing with.
1: I love that. To me, that's, uh, yes, and I, I work in the same way, so I, I connected with that. As soon as I, I saw the, the, the blurb about the book, I said, okay, this is something I can really get behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some of the major issues that you uh, that we can talk about here, That and then maybe give us like a little bit of an action plan, too?
0: Well, the thing I looked at first is how so many people's lives are just out of balance, Either they're very emotional, or they they're overblustful. Uh, they don't do what they need to do physically. And my my philosophy is that if we can get the the person to be have these attributes operating in once, every part of their life gets better. If if physically they're taking care of themselves, if they're if they're um, uh, intellectually working with facts and good information, if they're keeping their emotions down, or at least to the point that the intellect can come on and address information first, uh, I see more balance in their lives. Even mm-hmm. spiritually, if people are meditating or prayer or whatever they choose to do, uh, if we can get these aspects operating a little bit more efficiently, a little more in balance, every part of a person's life gets better.
1: So, and I, I, I agree with what you're saying is oftentimes we get lost in the emotional story right so the oh we do i'm down i'm depressed i can't get out of this it's too much i i can't i can't i can't without actually looking at the intellectual part or being able to um fight it with the with the actual evidence around you you know it's it's quite difficult Mm -hmm. to get people to face the actual the evidence because they are they have bought into that story for so long
0: well, you know, I, I start the book with four chapters that I believe are the start to any plan that you're working with. And the first thing I tell all my people is slow down a bit. You're mm-hmm. going too fast. Uh, you're not dealing with factual information because you're going so fast. So I slow them down, not so much so their bodies down, but I just want them to just get to a point where where they, they've taken a step back and, and they catch their breath. And then we go into what what I call what I call in the book brutal honesty. And I really want them to go right at the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think too off uh, too often, and and it's kind of a thing that that's always bothered me. People in our profession they kind of they coddle people and they <laughs> allow them to slowly get to some point where it's workable. And I'm telling people, look, this is the fact. If you're not going to deal with that fact nothing changes.
1: I like you. I like your approach. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much like that too. And sometimes I I even tell clients if you're looking for some coddling or handholding, I'm not your I'm not your guy, you know? <laughs> like I'm not and your so therapist. Do I. <laughs> <laughs> This is not what you're going to get from me because I am brutally honest as well. Uh, but I find that for the most part, it actually works. Works. We're talking to Faust Ruggiero. He's a psychotherapist and the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook, faustruggiero.com if you want to get more information about the book. So another issue that is difficult and, and that comes up an awful lot, at least with my clients, is the setting of boundaries. That's... That is probably, like, the thing I see on a daily basis. People really having trouble uh, setting boundaries either with their families of origin, with partners, etc. So give us some tools. Like, what would be an action plan for this?
0: Well, you know, now you're back to that honesty thing again. Right. A lot of times boundaries are, are being sacrificed because people aren't being honest with themselves. And the other thing that, you know... I, Issues that I look at when it comes to boundary setting are are, are avoiding conflicts, mm-hmm. are people pleasing. You know, we, we yep. start integrating all these dysfunctional behaviors together, and before we know it, it's we don't know what the boundaries are anymore. And even if we set them, we have a tendency not to defend them, and, right. which is even worse because right. then setting the boundary doesn't work.
1: Right, because there's no consequence. So, you know,
0: I, Exactly. Right. So you know, I always—that's where I go back to that—to being honest. You've got to look at, at at this whole thing and say, all right, if I'm going to set my boundaries, I've got to set them on—I got to set them on honest, factual information. And that information then—and it may hurt me, and it may make me feel uncomfortable—and I have to confront people, and I have to deal with my conflict. But in the meantime, if I'm willing to do that things are going to get better. And what I tell people is you've got to be willing to get uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> you got to be willing to
0: do be... that and face that uncomfortable. Cause that's where all the growth is.
1: <laughs> of course. But, but also what I've noticed too is I, I often tell people you've got to be willing to accept that people around you, those close to you, are going to say to you things like, why are you so bitchy all of a sudden, or what's gotten into you, or <laughs> you're so mean. They are, because they don't,
0: <laughs> they don't want you to change. Of
1: course you not. And I
0: always <laughs> tell my people, they like you the way you are because you service them in some fashion. <laughs> so when you change, it's, a, it's almost like a personal assault to them, and they're going to do their darnest to get you back where you were.
1: Right. Uh, well, can you stay, hang out with us for a little while longer? We're going to go sure. to a uh, great, wonderful. Uh, we're talking to Faust Ruggerio, a psychotherapist and the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook, Faustruggerio.com, if you want to get more information, faustruggier uh, com, talking about how to find that internal balance with some actual things that you can do, but the book is chock full of, of good strategies that you can put into place right here, right now. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. If you're looking for a self-help book that you can use right now i got one for you the fix yourself handbook pretty self-explanatory and we have foster Ruggiero, the author of the uh, book on the line with us and his email or his uh, website is f-a-u-s-t-r-u-g-g-i-e-r-o.com where you'll get information Um, about the book so we've been talking about the 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 setting boundaries and and learning how to I think this is the most important actually one of the most important issues that many many people face and who end up in therapy is they end up in in um, troubled relationships and troubled in themselves because of all the all they've done for others, really, all those caregivers that they've, all the caring they've done for others and very little of that self-care really is about not being able to set those boundaries, right?
0: I agree. And, you know, I tell people, uh, and oftentimes I haven't heard this before, I say, while you're out there uh, doing all this people-pleasing and losing your boundaries, it's really kind of a subtle form of abuse to yourself And actually to the other person, because while you're trying to uh, uh, take care of all their needs, you're not giving them the opportunity to grow. And therefore, this circular thing just keeps on going. You keep on serving them. They don't grow. uh, Your boundaries are are, are crossed, and it never stops.
1: Yeah. You say in your book... It's uh...
0: very important.
1: Yes, absolutely. There's a line, um, I I just love when you say this, no one can fix your world for you. Everything you need to be happy and fulfilled is already inside you. You simply need to understand how to use it, then you can find peace and begin to love yourself. So getting people to understand their strengths rather than looking to the outside as all the things that are bad, like that, that is causing All of these feelings because there's a tendency of saying, yes, but if I didn't have this and if I didn't do this and if I, if this person was nicer and if my job was better and if you know what I'm saying, so there's a tendency to look to the outside rather than to the inside. And especially in these times when there's so little we control on the outside. Uh, we have to be able to find that within ourselves so maybe you can in the few minutes we have left is maybe give us some uh, tips or, or, or tricks that uh, that people can can start thinking about in order to do that better
0: yeah you know the f- first chapter of my book is something I call taking life off autopilot mm-hmm. and you have to really make that first decision to say I'm gonna stop doing it I'm just gonna put it all aside. And I'm going to start from the beginning and I'm going to start looking at all the facts of my life. I have to have a starting point. Where am I right now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and I, I always have people, let's establish that. Let's find out where you are at this moment and we're going to clear out a lot of the junk and then we're going to, we're going to you're going to make a decision. Do you want to change? Because you're going, you're going to feel some discomfort, but you're also going to find a tremendous amount of good stuff inside yourself right. that you never knew was there.
1: Right. Exactly. And, and I think. First it,
0: step is always, is go always ahead. make that decision. Do yeah. I want to change and am I willing to do the work? And understand that it's going to take some time and that's okay.
1: Right. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a couple earlier today, and, you know, it's the same old story where one says, well, I want him to do this and, well, I want her to do this. And, you know, it's always like, if you change, I'll be better. If you change, I'll be better. Rather than say, well, what can you can you control what your partner does or doesn't do? Can you change your partner? No, you cannot. So what can you do? And taking back the control of, of what it is that's in your power to do. Because it really, it takes one person in a relationship to change the dynamic of the relationship, too.
0: Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And once you gain control of yourself, you are no longer relying on that other person. Because that's something no control of, it. Their, their thoughts, their, their feelings, their behaviors, they're theirs. That's their statement. You have to learn how to make your own statement. And that really, again, starts with being honest with yourself.
1: Right. Okay, so let's say we begin with an exercise of I'm going to write down where I want to be, what, what the changes I want to make, like really take a good hard look because that's an honest, like you said, brutally honest honest look at my life cuz that's the f- the very first thing is look in the mirror but really see what's there rather than just look and not see anything so that's the first step right. next step
0: next step is is to be able to start looking at the facts and only the facts uh we have a tendency to uh, and most people do this to decide what we want and then go after it without looking at all the good information and then we try to manipulate the facts to support the decision we made, mm-hmm. and it, and that's really the, putting the cart before the horse. We really have to look at all the facts, whether we think we like them or not. They're always going to point that information will always point us in the direction of a solution. Okay. So you know uh, that's the next thing I tell them: we've got to lay down all the facts. We've got to look at everything that's going on in your life in, in a lot of different areas, and we have to put all that information together
1: right which also means looking at the the things you do well because there's a lot of people who focus on only the things they don't do well and 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 so right. they they don't even have access to the strengths they actually have and i you know i often tell my clients the ones who show up in therapy are the ones who are actually stronger than the ones who refuse to go
0: absolutely <laughs> absolutely and i and i tell them to look at those positive things because we need that type of energy if we're just going to look at the negative things you're not going to uh, be able to access good positive energy to move forward so i want to get them to look at those strengths because we need that i need and i need that to help them uh, move forward so we're going to go out and get both of those things you know the, the good stuff the bad stuff we're going to put that all together
1: right you have a chapter life on life's terms and the natural flow mm-hmm. what do you mean by that
0: well, I, I, again, I think people, you know, I always call it trying to, you know, uh, ram the square peg in the round hole. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they see something and they go after it, but it, 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 when I say violates life's flow, life has a, a kind of a natural flow to things. And then again, that we're back to that information again. If you look at it, you can really see how things should be. Uh, and, and if you follow that, it's a whole lot easier to do things. Uh, but what we do is we, everything we do it, it is based on that emotion and those desires, which very rarely ever coincide with the natural flow of anything. Right. So, well, I
1: you
0: know, I, I want them to slow down. I want them to, to understand that life does, in fact, operate in a certain way. There are natural laws, you know, <laughs> physical laws um, that we have to follow. There are emotional laws. As you break it down, as I break it down with them, they start to see that they're they're just way off track. They're trying to do things, and they're always running against the wind. Right. They're always deciding they want to make decisions that that are so hard to get to because most often that's it's not where they should go.
1: Right. It's like
0: they decided it because they they saw something they wanted or something they wanted to avoid.
1: I have a good uh, a good example of that. Working with um, a couple, and he, this man comes from a, a very dysfunctional, alcoholic family, and in his mind, he's always wanted the happy family, happy gatherings. But every time he gets together with his family, it's a crap show, you know, it's just, it, it, it just escalates into nastiness and everybody gets wasted and nasty and it's awful. And he gets reminded every time, oh my goodness, my family's so dysfunctional, but he keeps doing it because he's holding on to this hope uh, or this, this image, this fantasy of what he wants his family to be. And, you know a lot of it is we're bru- you know we we have to be very brutally honest that he is never going to get that with his family. That,
0: and that and that is the natural flow of that family dynamic.
1: Exactly. Right. Well, that's a. There's a. I'm glad I found that example to match that, but makes a lot of sense. Well, I thank you so much for writing the book. I'm sure that uh, our listeners will find it very helpful. And we'll make. Sh- it's going to be one of those books that will get uh, uh, certainly referenced in my office. Um, and uh, so, if, if people want to get in touch with you or get more information about the book, can you give us that info? You
0: can go right to the website. Uh, you know, as I wrote the book with loads of information, I designed the website to be the same thing. There's a chapter outline which will tell them, uh, oh, all, you know, give them all 36 chapters and what's inside that. It, it has excerpts from the book, it has quotes, it has uh, the biography, everything they need about me. And then there's also um, a page at the end where they can see me and uh, and, and how I operate.
1: Okay, uh,
0: they see me, uh, you know. Uh, on television shows, that type of thing. And also on that page is the contact page. And if they, if they want to email me, they can do that. And I'm real good at get, about getting back to people.
1: Okay, great. So the, the website is your name. That's the, that's that the website name, where
0: they get. fostergerald.com. And that is essentially dedicated to the book.
1: All right. Wonderful. F-A-U-S-T-R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O.com once again. Once again, thank you so much. Really appreciate your expertise on this. It has been this. my pleasure. All right. You take care. Uh, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you all for uh, tuning in tonight. Thanks for your text. Thanks to Nicole, our technical producer tonight. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can do that at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you will find uh, my podcasts. Also, I just looked and my TEDx talk, The Pleasure Principle, is up to 994,000 views. So we're like 6,000 away from a million. Help me, help me get it up there. It'll be fun. Just go to YouTube for that one. Uh, Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.